citizen, the training, chapter 17. Are you on drugs or something? Todd asked. What do you mean? Tracy asked innocently. Todd asked because Tracy returned to NC State a different person, sporting a high-top fade with a wedge swoop. Tracy had decided to tell Todd he was gay, which didn't seem a hard sell. Todd's closet was stocked with polo, from underwear to tie pins, but he beat Tracy to the punch. During Tracy's first class, Todd picked the lock to the trunk in Tracy's closet. That wasn't difficult, although it took Todd a few minutes to decipher Tracy's diary. Todd was studying codes, but Tracy had turned his diary sideways, wrote his letters in capitals down the page akin to Chinese, and wrote from the left side of the page. You seem different from last spring, Todd continued. So I had to find out. I hope you won't be mad, but I broke into your trunk and read your diary. Was it interesting? Tracy asked. Yes, Todd said, but wanted to say extremely interesting, and Tracy wasn't mad. However, from this point on, Tracy stopped keeping a diary on paper and began one in his head. The first entry was when Todd pulled a small package from his desk drawer. But to make amends, I got you this. And Todd handed it to Tracy. He opened his second swatch watch from Todd and smiled. Then Tracy turned the tables, because Todd's gift now seemed suspect in terms of Todd's sexuality. Todd, Tracy asked, Are you gay? Yes, Todd said, but I don't let it rule my life. How long have you known? All my life, and I went through a dark period, but then I realized I wasn't that one-dimensional. I made up my mind it wouldn't dictate my life, and it doesn't. I knew I could tell you, and I would have, Tracy said. But I feel better. Now that you know. I just don't get caught up in all the drama. We are still black men, and we have to be role models. I understand, but I guess I don't have to lie about seeing Stephanie in New York ever again. No, and Justin sounds like a great guy who has things going on. He does, Tracy agreed. Mom wants him to visit over Christmas. That's great, Tracy. Uh, but what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I'm not sure. What did you have in mind? I think I want you to meet my parents, Todd said, and thought about it more. Yes, and my friend Sabrina. I've known her all my life, and we're very close. I have a friend like that named Tori. Her mom is Mom's best friend. Mama Rowe. Do they know you're gay? No, but Mama Rowe probably does by now. Does Sabrina know? No, Todd hedged. Or my parents. 
I'm not going to tell anyone until after I graduate. Tracy was skeptical. I want to concentrate on my degree, and then I'll go there, Todd explained. Okay, I can deal with that, Tracy said. Do you still want to meet my parents and Sabrina? Sure, Tracy said, and they did. Todd grew up a few hours from campus. Now that Tracy was legal age, they took road trips on weekends. Todd's parents loved them some Tracy. Sabrina and Tracy also became two peas in a pod, and the three had a blast dancing at the straight night clubs. Then, after finals, Justin came to D.C. over Christmas break, and Vera was delighted. On Friday night, Tracy and Justin went to D.C.'s oldest black gay bar. It was the first time Tracy had been there, or anywhere, as a gay man in D.C. But as the couple made their way through a crowded corridor, Tracy heard a familiar voice. He turned and looked, but Justin stopped. I thought you'd never been out in D.C., Justin shouted above the music. I haven't, Tracy said. And then he saw her. She had strawberry blonde hair, wore a red leotard onesie with a wide black leather belt a la Cindy Lauper, and was carefully balanced on black pumps. Tracy checked again to make sure, and then tapped her on the shoulder. Sabrina? Tracy asked. Sabrina whirled around and looked as if she'd seen a ghost. Tracy, how you doing? I'm... Tracy started. Is Todd with you? She asked in a panic and scanned the crowd behind Tracy. No, Tracy said. This is my boyfriend, Justin. Oh, oh, of course, of course, Sabrina stammered. I, I just didn't know if Todd came with you, too. You mean Todd doesn't know you're gay? Tracy asked, although Sabrina's look was enough. Even though she and Todd had known each other since kindergarten and both were gay, neither had come out to the other. So Tracy took Sabrina's hand, leaned in, and spoke in her ear. I understand, Tracy said. That's a secret best kept for the right moment. And Sabrina backed up to look at Tracy in the eye. And it's yours to tell. But it wasn't. Fast forward, Todd's college graduation. Tracy made a special trip down from West Virginia in his Fiat. After Todd walked across the stage with his degree, Todd's parents came and went. The next day, the three went to dinner to celebrate, Todd, Sabrina, and Tracy. As they sat and made idle chit-chat, Tracy was about to pop. Twenty-four hours had passed since Todd had graduated, and no one had dropped a hint about where they might go out after dinner. Tracy had decided three and a half years of silence was enough, so he stood up. I have to go to the bathroom, Tracy said. But before I go, I would like both of you to know something. I have been clubbing with both of you separately, and I'm tired of this. Tonight, I want to have a good time with both of you. 
Todd and Sabrina stared at the tablecloth in shock. So, here's your topic, Tracy announced and hit the table sternly three times. You're both gay. Please discuss amongst yourselves. And he twirled with a flourish and went to the men's room. Now, after Tracy and Justin's visit with Vera for Christmas, New Year's came and went. Then a series of events began to unfold that threatened to change the course of Tracy's life. At the end of the week, Tracy planned to drive back to NC State. By this time, Granny had gotten too many tickets in the Daytona. She traded it in for a Dodge Conquest, which wasn't really her cup of tea. The upshot was that Tracy took Granny's new Conquest to college. However, the weather wasn't looking great in terms of ice. Vera worried about Tracy driving back to Raleigh by himself, and she suggested Justin drive with Tracy. She offered to pay the difference if Justin changed his plane ticket from D.C. The deal was done because Justin had something on his mind. The next day the couple was off to go back to their respective colleges, but Justin waited until they crossed the North Carolina line as Tracy drove. Tracy, Justin said, we need to talk about something. Shoot. Tracy said. The particulars to Tracy were a blur. In a nutshell, Justin tried to explain why he couldn't be gay anymore. He was studying business and political science, and at the time, Justin decided he needed a wife to have a political career. That goes against everything you believe in, Tracy said. I know, Justin said. That's what my mom and dad said, too. You, of all people, Tracy cried, are the last one I thought would want to live a lie. I know, Justin said, but I've started my internships and I see how things are done. Tracy stayed silent. I just know this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm a politician. Not a very good one for me right now. Tracy blurted out. Not very convincing. And he began to seethe. And you've known this whole time. We just spent our whole break together. But I wanted to, Justin said, and he was honest. I just know my career is more important, and I should make a clean break now. Tracy thought of Todd and his resolve and drove through his pain. You're not mad at me. Are you? I understand your reasons, Tracy admitted. It just doesn't seem ethical. And yes, I am mad at you. But I won't stay mad, because I promised we would always be friends. And they did stay friends, but they were mates no longer. As it turned out, Justin became a politician without ever getting a wife. He also raised two children. When his aunt and uncle died of cancer within a year of each other, Justin adopted their barely teenage boys. Among his other accomplishments in business and civic organizations, Justin served for a time as the country's only openly gay black state legislator. But when Tracy dropped Justin off at the airport, 
it was the dead of winter. In his mind, Tracy thought he and Justin were going to college together, even though they attended schools in different states. Now that they weren't, everything was changed, although Tracy wasn't totally alone when he returned to NC State. You're depressed, Todd said. Here, this will bring you out of it really fast. He tossed Tracy a small package. It was obviously Tracy's third swatch watch, and it did help. In time, Tracy snapped out of his funk and was dancing and clubbing between studying. Then came a misstep that further complicated Tracy's life, and the dark saw how to use pride and manipulation to steer Tracy farther from his trajectory. Hello everyone, Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. In February, Tracy had a term paper to write, so he didn't go dancing with Todd and Sabrina on Friday night. Instead, Tracy did his laundry as he worked, which he usually did with Todd. Because he was alone, Tracy met a cute and chatty fellow who put his things in the dryer next to his. Now that he was single, Tracy became interested. The conversation inevitably turned to Krispy Kreme donuts, and, even though the roads were icy, the two went clear across town to get some. After sliding down a hill, the car went over a curb and into a tree. Tracy managed to get the car home at the end of the semester, but the wrecked car was all the ammo Granny required. She had acted up since Tracy and Justin broke up. As far as Granny was concerned, the honeymoon was over with the gay thing. She went on the warpath, and the conquest was the first thing she could withhold to try and run Tracy's life. By this time, Granny had her Oldsmobile 98. The Dodge Daytona turned conquest was actually Tracy's high school graduation gift. But when Tracy returned after the accident, Granny announced Tracy wasn't allowed to use his car. It was to stay parked in her driveway. But it's still your car, Granny stated, and you have to keep up with the payments. So my graduation gift comes with strings, is that it? Tracy asked, and he let belligerence well up. How is this different than Bobby not letting me use his cars? It's not. It's just plain manipulation, which is why you bought me a car I didn't want in the first place. So you could show off. Granny was silent and became more resolved. Just to make this plain, Tracy said, I have to pay for my car, but I can't use it. As long as you're in this house, Granny said. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that, Moody mumbled. Granny turned in a snap. What? You'll see, 
Moody said, and wheeled himself off into his room. But Moody didn't want Tracy to move out and let pride have its chance. While Moody was incensed at Granny's conniving, he had no way to stop her. Moody knew he had to let it play out, which it did at the meeting with the sink cabinet open. Oh, come on, boy, Moody coaxed. You should stay and fight this. And Tracy looked at his old friend. Come on, Moody said with a whisper and a wink. Don't leave me alone with her. Tracy relented. No worries, Pawpaw. I'll take the bus to work. Which he did. But in July, Beth, from Tracy's steakhouse days, made a date with Tracy to see a movie and picked him up. And don't worry, T, Beth said. I'll get you back by eleven. Tracy was shocked. What are you talking about? I know Granny's got you on curfew, Beth said. And I assured her when I called the other day. Tracy knew nothing of this, because he was always home before the bus stopped running at eleven. But that was it. The damage was done. By August, Tracy decided he wasn't going back to NC State. He thought the school was too big, too competitive, and Tracy wasn't going to be caught in North Carolina without a getaway car. Instead, Tracy found a roommate who lived on the bus route, and he moved out from under Granny's thumb. Then, Tracy transferred to West Virginia Tech in Montgomery, West Virginia, which triggered the next succession of events. When Todd found out, he drove up from North Carolina to take Tracy back with him. When that didn't work, Granny decided stronger measures were necessary. She arranged a powwow with Vera and Tracy's father, but Tracy wasn't invited. He was abducted. He got the call Saturday morning. Good morning, son, Harry said. Hey, Dad, Tracy answered. What are you up to? Well, I'm supposed to pick you up. Pick me up for what? Tracy asked. Your granny called me and your mother into town to have a meeting, Harry said. Oh, Tracy said defiantly. I get it. And Harry laughed quietly. <laughs> She didn't tell you. Nope. It sounds like I might know where this is going. I'll pick you up at your apartment in two. Okay, Tracy said, and began to panic. Tracy had told everyone he was gay except his father, and he wasn't sure how that fit in with the church or his father's take on everything. Son, Harry interrupted. Yeah, Dad? I need to know the address of your apartment. Oh, yeah, Tracy said. And I'll be ready in two hours. When everyone arrived at Starling Drive, Granny had her war room set up. She sat in Command Central by the phone, put Vera and Harry on the couch, and Tracy sat in the corner recliner. Moody was in the opposite corner and watched. And it was odd to say the least. Vera and Harry rarely had pleasant experiences in Granny's living room. A few years earlier, they had come for Tracy's graduation when, 
with the exception of Bobby, everyone was proud and tripped over each other with pleasantries. But this time was more like when Vera and Harry were teenagers, when they sat on the very same couch and Granny went to get her shotgun. But Tracy's parents thought their son was in trouble, so they kept quiet. The first thing out of Granny's mouth was to announce that Tracy was gay, and that was why he was ruining his life. The second thing was her reason for taking Tracy's car away, which was because he was gay, which was ruining his life. The third thing was about him dropping out of college, which was because he was gay, which was ruining his life. This went on for a while, but Tracy got in a few points about why he didn't want to go back to NC State. He was still a junior in college at a reputable school, but the car issue was unacceptable. Besides, it was Granny's manipulation that caused Tracy to move out and live his own life in the first place. Finally, Tracy's father had had enough. After all, this was the woman who threatened him with false rape charges. Granny was also the one who came between him and Vera in the first place, and Harry was not going to allow Granny to treat his son the same way. So Harry reached into his suit jacket and pulled out his checkbook. How much is the balance on the car? Harry asked. What? Granny asked, dumbfounded. It seems the car is the issue, Harry said. So what is the balance due on the car? I don't know, Granny lied. Suddenly, Granny was a lone warrior at her own powwow, and Harry knew how to end it. You must have a bill, Harry said, or a payment book. I got it. Moody said, somehow without a snicker, as he wheeled himself into his room. Moody came back and read off the amount owed on the conquest, and Harry wrote out the check. Now, Harry said, you can pay off the car and put it in Tracy's name. Granny bristled. I'm not putting it in his name. That's my car. Harry wrote the check, tore it out of his checkbook, and held it up. You will put the car in my son's name. The hell I will, Granny said. And with that, Harry carefully folded the check in half, put it back in his checkbook, collected his things, and showed himself out. Tracy met Harry at his car. Dad, Tracy began, but his father cut him off. Don't worry, son. Harry said, I've seen your granny do this before. Tracy was surprised there was no mention of his sexuality, but was glad. What about the car? Well, it seems pretty clear your granny wants to keep her car. <laughs> I guess she does. Tracy guffed, proud of his father. But you need one, so find yourself something for a thousand dollars. And Harry reached into his jacket pocket again. Then he wrote out another check and handed it to Tracy. Stay in touch, Harry said and hugged Tracy. 
And remember, I love you, son, no matter what. And he got in his car and left. The fight was over, the powwow was ended, and Tracy bought himself a 1980 blue Fiat Brava. More importantly to Tracy, his father came through for him, even with the knowledge that he was gay. Tracy felt relief, and that he had reached another level of independence, but the arc of his trajectory had seriously been altered. At the moment, it was a comfort to Tracy that he left NC State and had made a U-turn to West Virginia. But God's plans hadn't changed, so Tracy wouldn't be comfortable there for long. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. So, if you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.